0: Hey, it's Allie. And Jenny. And if you like what you're listening to on Once More With Commentary, we would love it it if you guys would subscribe either from iTunes or Google Play because that's where we are.
1: And we'd also love it if you would take a moment to rate and review us on either of those platforms.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Hello and welcome to Once More With Commentary. I'm Ginny and I'm Allie and we're a Buffy podcast. And today we're continuing through season 3 and we're talking about episodes 7 and 7 and 8. Yeah. Revelations and Lover's Walk. Mm-hmm. These were good episodes. I actually they have are. a really specific memory of watching Revelations with you the first time when we watched it in college. But uh, how how them. did
0: you react? Do, do you remember? I don't. I don't remember watching it. No, no, no.
1: I, re- I just remember you telling me a specific thing about, like, I remember you giving me an opinion, and for whatever reason, that stuck with me for this entire, the rest of the whole time. Every time I watch that episode, or, think, or like, I remember you giving me a little speech. Ooh, I'll, tell you when we, I'll tell you when we get there. It's not bad. It's just, it's just funny. I don't know why, out of all the things you've probably said to me about Buffy for all of years that we've known each other, I don't know why that, this one sticks out in my head, but it does.
0: I'm really curious now because I don't remember what I told you. Well, I guess
1: we just haven't described the episode, so I feel awkward explaining okay. it.
0: But basically, yeah. you
1: just told me that like this is the moment that like, Buffy and Faith break down at that, when wow. she gives her that speech at the end. But oh I, God, really you know, I, you, I really remember you. I really remember you like, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think that that's a fair point And like, but having never seen it before, I like was like, oh, interesting. I don't know. You just made a big point about it when we were watching it.
0: Oh, so, but cool. yeah,
1: but I am really grateful because starting around maybe seven o'clock this morning, they're doing a marathon on my street because our apartment kind of like overlooks a highway. And they close it down and do marathons, which has happened before. Don't remember if they've ever had like a drum line before, though, because literally people were <sighs> drumming on my street starting at seven o'clock in the morning and they stopped like half an hour ago. I was really, I was like, if they don't stop, I don't know if we can record this morning. I was going to have to text you, but thankfully they stopped also no. because it was
0: super annoying. <laughs> that is like, whose bright idea is like, you know, what we I do you on know. Saturday morning is come <laughs> in with know. the drum
1: line. No one will mind. I mean, maybe it wasn't a whole drum line, but it was like just drum, like nonstop drumming. And like, really it's cool. loud enough with just the runners, you know, because it's like people are watching and they're cheering, but like, that's the sort of noise that's like, okay, you know what? I live in a city and that's just the sort of thing that's going to happen, but I don't know about drums. And so early, <laughs> I also just hate, I hate parade drums. They always used to it's freak so me weird. out when I was a kid. And so I still like have this aversion to it. Anyway. Like the
0: cadence that they do with the, it,
1: the I I really remember when I was a kid going to the like local parades or whatever, whenever the drums would come by, I would like feel it in my chest just the way it resonates. And I hated that. Like it always made me really uncomfortable. And so that doesn't, that wasn't happening to me today. Cause it was like far, it was far enough away that, but it just sticks, sticks out to me as like, I remember having feeling bad about that.
0: <laughs> oh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, canceled all the half marathons planned here this weekend.
1: Oh, um, that was probably a good idea.
0: Yeah. Cause this, the fires and the smoke. Yeah. Um, I haven't been outside yet today, although it, it looks a little better, but I think it was supposed to get I worse. I think
1: it's still bad, yeah. Everyone's still telling me it's bad there.
0: I mean, I feel in, like in San Francisco an awful specifically, yeah. even like complaining about right. it. Like, I'm like, oh, I can't run outside. It's so smoky. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I have friends that definitely live closer to the fire. Yeah. They probably have it way worse. And yeah. there are people that like lost their homes and their yeah. lives. So yeah. I feel really bad yeah. complaining. Like, I can't run outside.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, but I guess truthfully, though, you do need to be careful because the smoke is really bad. <laughs> I keep reading re- yeah, I mean, reports that are making it sound really bad. Like, yeah, I understand not wanting to be petty, but you should still be careful.
0: Yeah. They were supposed to give us masks at work yesterday and mm. they didn't. Um, mm. But I mean, like, I haven't been running in it, but I've definitely been like walking in it. So mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> like maybe I shouldn't add exercise to this. Yeah,
1: I wouldn't. I would hmm well yeah, i'm glad I'm glad you're safe, and also thank you. I am my too. family <laughs> I
0: yeah. mean it would not that it couldn't theoretically happen, I don't know, but like it would really have to like decimate the entire like east Bay to even and yeah then and it would be hard for around, it to get to the city like, yeah. To even make it here or somehow come across the bridge, but mm-hmm. that would just burn the bridge down, so yeah, I think you're um, safe as well like we're not at any risk, but it's um. It's still wild. I mean, like, we're certainly mm-hmm. feeling the effects of it. Yeah. Um, it's just devastating. It's, like, crazy. And then there's yeah. been, like, a series of small earthquakes, too. Mm. Like uh, I mean, plus this is
1: just coming on the back of, like, major earthquakes in Mexico, major hurricanes in Puerto Rico, major hurricanes in Texas. Like, everything is just, like...
0: It feels very apocalyptic. Feels in- it does. And <laughs> it feels
1: in- incessant. Like, as soon as we're... Like, we-, we haven't even finished... Talking about some of the other problems, and then there's like a whole new one. Like, let alone finished cleaning them up, but like we we're still arguing about some of these things. Ugh, this is making me upset.
0: Anyway, yeah, it's um, it's it's not good times. <laughs> no, but oh. we can retreat
1: into the world of Buffy where everything is safe.
0: <laughs> That's what I've <laughs> just been <kidding>. doing. So. <laughs> Nothing is safe,
1: <laughs> but we're not in danger, and it's just full of emotion and fun.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: I really like both of these episodes,
0: as yeah, I've said I, um, probably
1: every time since we've talked about season three. But
0: I, so I think that I have a very clear memory of, so, you know, when they do like summer reruns, they don't always
1: either mm-hmm. show them in order
0: or show mm-hmm. all of them because you, you don't have the same amount of time. So right, whether this was true or not, I don't know, but I do remember Revelations being one of the, um like second or third episodes of Buffy that I watched Mm -hmm. ever and like so it's like the kind of the same for me as like Beauty and the Beast where it feels very like familiar and like oh this is like my this was one of my entry points into Buffy and it's a good one to come in it is it is you know um and then Lover's Walk um (laughs) yeah I I always kind of forget what that one is but then I remember oh I hate this part and then yeah yeah (laughs) but then we get Spike so I know. know
1: it was a lot I had I thought that one when we finished watching that one I was like that episode was so much fun and Alex was like that episode was really sad what are you talking about I was like oh right (laughs) but it ended on a fun scene so the whole thing was fun right
0: I know the end is so tragic and then I was like laughing so hard yeah
1: exactly uh okay well do you want to do you want to discuss these yeah all right oh wait you have to tell us about what you did last night
0: Oh, right. Okay. So um, I put a little bit of posts on our social, but um, it was kind of hard to get photos. Like, I was really trying not to take any during the show. Like, I was yeah. trying to be polite. Yeah. Um, but I went to Buffy the Vampire Slayer live at um, this drag club in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so they – basically, it's like they took – all the Buffy angel beats of season two and compress them into an hour and 15 minutes of like a new type of like narrative. So it started out with like, um, school hard, like spike Uh coming into town and then, but then they're weaving in all the different elements of like, um, innocence and surprise. And except there was no judge. So, um, Uh, that was uh interesting how they got around some of that stuff. And then, um, and then all the way through to, um, becoming and, okay. It was just, like, really funny, yeah. and, you know, it was really campy. Like, they, you know, they do those, right. like, really exaggerated, like, winks at the audience and, uh-huh. like, you know, um, all the stuff that makes a drag show pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, they kept playing really cheesy 90s music. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, the scenes like of that. like, the bronze, and, like, all the stuff, <laughs> just, like, it was great. Um, I don't know, it was really fun, and... Uh, I don't know if it was, like, the, a great entry point into Buffy for, like, one of our friends, but yeah. I enjoyed it. I think it could <laughs> and then be, yeah. at the end, I got to take a picture with Buffy, so nice. that was fun. I really wanted to get one with Drusilla, but I couldn't find her. Oh. So. But, like, everyone was, like, pretty good. Like, um, the woman did they sing? Did they sing, or was it just acting? No, it was just acting. Okay. Um, because they didn't have any of the musical right. in there. So it was just, like yeah Um, acting out some of the scenes it's just like a series of scenes basically okay um but it was really cool when like she would kill a vampire they would like run across him with like a screen that had like a skeleton out. oh that's funny like all the lights would go it's like you know it was actually pretty clever the way they kind of yeah made it look the sword fight was actually pretty cool oh okay (laughs) yeah um, I, they I did the, um oh I forgot the best part, my favorite part was at the very, very end after Buffy's killed Angel, they mm-hmm. play the song from the the last episode, um becoming like the really cheesy, like oh, Sarah yeah, McLaughlin the type one. song. Yeah. yeah. It was sad. I'm and, pretty like, sure it is Sarah McLaughlin. I think so, yeah. Uh-huh. And then Buffy just like walks onto the stage and it's like she's not wearing sad overalls, but okay, they're like I was just playing the song uh-huh. and it was really funny.
1: Okay. <laughs> That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I did actually see somebody
1: do a, it wasn't a drag show. It was just like a, I don't know, like a review or something. I don't know if that's what you call it, but, um, it was the, it was once, it was once more with, um, feeling, I almost said commentary (laughs) and I was like, that's not right. That's our show. (laughs) I saw some people in New York do a performance, but it was mostly the musical and then they added in a couple of other songs about that they like made up to kind of fill in some gaps
0: yeah, I think they used to do that here sometimes, but... Yeah. Or no, I don't know about... Not at this club, good. but, like, yeah. in San Francisco. Um, yeah. But I think you told me they had shut all of those down.
1: No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I, it wasn't a sing-along with the show, uh, with the episode. Oh. It was, like, an actual performance, and they just did... It was... Yeah, they had people dress up like all the characters, and they sang all the songs. There should be more Buffy live performances in general.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, this one is just, like, everyone's just there to have a good time, and, mm-hmm. like, they... And there was one point when they made us put vampire teeth in and, like, oh, yeah, I saw those sitting <laughs> on the to be table. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, pretend to be like rushing. Not like we didn't have to like rush the stage, but like mm-hmm. they wanted it to be like a bunch of vampires attacking. So they were like, that's really Spike funny. Was like, put in your teeth. Oh, and then there was one where it was two vampires talking, and the one vampire kept having to take out his teeth to say his lines. <laughs> <laughs> were they because they were wearing those same little teeth that you were? Yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: that's really funny. <laughs>
0: So anyone in San Francisco, if you're wondering if you should go to Buffy Live, I would say absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. That's not going to be my pop culture recommendation, but. Yeah. yeah.
1: I worried about that when I asked you to talk about it, but good. No. You would have said.
0: Yeah. <sighs> it's, like, it's like, you know, it's very specific. It's specific. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't know
1: that we all can go to that. Although there yeah. might be one here. I'll have to look into it. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about revelations. Uh, so I'll just do, I'll give us a brief summary. Um, but yeah, so this episode opens with, you know, Buffy and Faith are, you know, Faith is still in town. She's still watcherless and her and Buffy are like two slayers on the town. You know, they're like having fun fighting together, doing cool synchronized staking. They seem to be more staking. friendly. Yeah, they I think that it it seems as though they've been bonding and are like on their way to becoming friends. But out of, you know, while they're slaying one night in the graveyard, a new this woman, Gwendolyn Post shows up saying that she's Faith's new watcher, which we've been expecting because we found out a few episodes ago that Faith's watcher had died and so they left her with Giles until someone else could take over. Um, but she's... Gwendolyn Post is like... She's also British. As I guess all the Watchers are British. Because uh, the council's in Britain. Um, but she's See, immediately... clear to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, but she's immediately really judgmental of everything that's going on. She criticizes the way that they're fighting. She criticizes Giles' book collection. She criticizes Giles like a bunch. Uh, which he doesn't love. Nor do I, frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she also comes with a warning that, like, oh, this demon Lagos is coming to Sunnydale seeking the glove of Minigan, which is this powerful glove that he's going to put on, and who knows, I, she, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, so she kind of takes the lead on, like, strategizing on how Buffy and Faith are going to track him down, how they're going to get rid of it, or what they're going to do. So um, Faith, it, well, oof. Uh I'm getting a little bit confused but basically you know Faith Faith goes to find Lagos and also separately for some reason that I forget Xander starts going to look for Faith maybe in the cemetery and instead what he finds is Angel because up until this point nobody but Buffy knew that Angel was back uh and she and him have been continuing their sort of pseudo friendship sort of romantic relationship um but Xander finds Angel stealing the glove, and since he hasn't seen Angel up until this point, and because he's a real dipshit, he assumes that Angel is stealing is still evil and is taking the glove for, to use it. So he basically like six Faith after Angel because he doesn't think Buffy will do it, and 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 he's right. So Faith goes to to kill Angel, uh, and they have a big fight. But before she gets there, Gwendolyn shows up oof, I'm rambling a lot, but Gwendolyn basically turns out to have been evil this whole time, and she was just trying to get the glove, so she tries to steal it from Angel. um, But Faith catches them, you know, and thinks that Angel is beating her up, so there's just a lot of misunderstandings. But finally, by the end of it, Gwendolyn, as I said, has revealed herself to have been evil the whole time. She puts the glove on, and Buffy has to take her down. Um, And... I guess that's that's kind of the end of it you know at the end of it you know faith has once again kind of been misled by someone and everything is breaking down and also importantly as i said once xander saw angel with the glove he also sees buffy and him kissing and so he tattles on on her and then the the whole gang has sort of an intervention with buffy that really doesn't go well um that's that's the other piece I wrote. I take notes when I watch these. I don't know how that came out so badly. Anyway,
0: <laughs> there's a lot going on in this episode, and especially
1: because there's so much betrayal and so much confusion, it's particularly yeah. difficult to be like, "She saw Angel, but he thought he was bad, but he was doing this, but she was confused." Like, yeah.
0: Um, your recap did serve a good purpose, in that it made me remember things that made me really angry watching this oh. episode. I mean, so. this one, both
1: of these are pretty anger-inducing, but this one in particular, yeah. I mean.
0: So like, yeah, we see a new Watcher come to town and it's interesting in that, um, you know, we learned last season that Watchers could be women, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, Faith has now had two female Watchers, although we do learn at the end of the episode that Gwendolyn Post was never assigned to Faith. She just kind of heard about this situation and inserted herself into it.
1: And she had been a Watcher, Um, but got kicked out because she kept trying to deal in dark arts.
0: Right, exactly. Um... But um, and you know she seems capable as a watcher mm-hmm. for sure. I mean she seems more uptight like all the others. I mean like every time we see the Watchers come in, we do realize the extent to like
1: the that Giles, the ways just let that Giles go. and <laughs> Buffy's relationship is very
0: different than the way yeah. it's supposed to be. But you know, poor Faith. I I yeah. I mean she seems. I mean we're gonna see this more throughout the season. You know. Faith is extremely easy to manipulate. And yeah. as someone who considers herself so street smart, it's always shocking to me how easy she's like well, played like a puppet by all of these true. authority figures.
1: I, I, I mean, I think what I, I, what I think the assessment is is that she's just so vulnerable. And that, yeah, which makes her a target. I'm agreeing with well, what you're I saying, think, but I'm just saying I think that's the part where they're able to get in so easily because like she so wants approval that all you have to do is give her a little bit and she will be loyal to you.
0: Well, and also, too, you know, she's come into this group <clears throat> and she's on the outside. True, and, true, You know, she must be aware to the extent that she hasn't fully been accepted into this mm-hmm. group. And so the way Gwendolyn, oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Post, yeah. um, <laughs> like, plays her in this is, like, basically playing up her, like, insecurities around, like, mm-hmm you know, not being considered as much of a slayer as Buffy or, you know, she's just kind of a sideline. So, like, you know, they have this intervention which is about Buffy and Angel and Faith isn't there for it because, you know, it should be the people who dealt with Angel and it's, like, this personal thing. Like, what is Faith really going to add to this? Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of do get the impression that they also forgot. Well, I'm sure they did. But, I mean, it's also something where... You know, she tells Faith that it was a secret meeting about, you know, the glove or something, then, like, she wasn't included. And that's all Faith really needs to, like, be like, I'm gonna prove that I'm a good slayer. And that's how Xander kind of, like, is able to. So when she comes into the library and, like, Xander tells her that Angel is alive, Mm -hmm. you know, Faith jumps to, vampire bad must kill because she's trying to be super slayer and right. Xander doesn't necessarily outright tell her that Angel is evil and should be killed, but he doesn't necessarily. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, like, he, yeah. that he was, but like he, he kind of lets Buffy think that like he couldn't stop Faith, but he doesn't really try that hard. So he doesn't try at
1: all. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, well, yeah, I guess before we jump into all the ways in which I wanted to throttle Xander throughout this episode, I, I still want to. Talk about Gwendolyn. Um, yeah, well, let's talk but, about her. Cause Yeah, because I guess, I guess I, again, I think you're right. What I thought was really interesting about her in this episode, or is always interesting kind of about the villains, is, like, she... Is, I feel like everything that she says is true. So, again, that's why it's kind of like... I mean, obviously, she lies to Faith about what their meeting was about, but, like, all of her assessments of Faith I don't think are that far off. And so it's interesting that, like, I understand also why not even if Faith wasn't incredibly vulnerable, like Gwendolyn really is like an she seems like a a good figure to look up to. Like she seems to have authority. She seems to be able to like get them under control. She seems to have the right plans and the right knowledge. Like I can understand why Faith would look up to her quickly. And well, then and why wouldn't get-
0: she? Because it's her watcher. So right. like it's supposed to be the one person she's supposed to listen to. And Faith is trying to be a good slayer. Yeah. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't she? It's you know? really tragic. It is. Yeah. It's upsetting. I kind of wish, um, that they had let her be in the show for another episode. I think that this ended up feeling a little bit rushed because, and I just think it would have been interesting to see her stick around longer if she hadn't found the glove immediately, you know, like if they had mentioned it and then she found it in the next episode or something, just also though, cause the thing that was kind of bugging me in this episode is like, I get that everybody trusts her because she's a watcher, but literally nobody questions her the entire time, including Angel at the very end when she's like, I'm the new Watcher, give me that glove. And he's like, okay, I've never seen you, but sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was a little bit of weird, like everybody kind of bought into it too quickly in a way and I also think it would have been interesting to see her again like I said, work with Faith a little bit more because it does seem like she is, when she's training her, you know, she's, she's, she uh, you know, why is she even training Faith at all if all she wants is the glove?
0: Hmm. Yeah, like really why bother going before. through why the bother? motions of Like the they watchers, literally so, have a yeah. training
1: session, yeah. I'm like, obviously, most of her lectures at Faith are geared towards manipulating Faith, but I do feel like she's kind of putting in some effort. So what, I think it would have been interesting if she had stuck around a little bit longer to kind of see how even more, like, I think it would have turned up the betrayal for Faith. Um, but, I mean, it works this way, too. I just was kind of wishing, like, oh, I wish she had stuck around a little bit longer. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just always liked the... The speech that she gives Faith about being sp- like Spartan. <laughs> like, and, and, yeah, and I know that it, and she's we see wrong. Faith
0: adopting that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and she's wrong in the sense that, like, obviously, the argument of the show and the argument that we make all the time is that Buffy is special because she has all these other things going on that make her care about the world more. So it's interesting to see, you know, Gwendolyn really posit the opposite you would be so much better if you were Spartan. So it, it just kind of add to her villainy, but I also don't think that she's entirely wrong. Like maybe, I mean, up until this point, the Slayers have been succeeding that, I don't know, succeeding, succeeding that way, well, I mean uh, that, but, or maybe that, that is what's right like for the Faith. like the
0: way Kendra was taught to write too. So right. um, But I did like at the end of the episode, Buffy's like fake complimenting Faith's apartment, and Faith yeah. was like, yeah, it's real Spartan. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that does make me laugh too. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I I assume
0: they're from Spart.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But for being a villain that only shows up in one episode, like Gwendolyn really, really does a number on everybody. You know, like these effects are going to last the rest of
0: the season, if not longer. Longer, really. We see we have a lot of things coming to a head. Like Mm -hmm. we we get this fork in the relationship of Faith and Buffy, Mm -hmm. and we also see the residual trauma that everyone is going through from the events of last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of comes in and catalyzes it in an yeah. interesting way. Um, that it, in a way that like it would take an outside person to really come mm-hmm. and stir it up because mm-hmm. like everyone else is just going to keep being polite. Like, mm-hmm. because you know, they all got really pissed at each other in dead man's party, but like, right. Did they really ever finish that conversation? Because no. yeah. they it just fought a like bunch it. of zombies and like Buffy and Willow talked about it, but it was like, I mean, obviously Xander has, like, some unresolved anger. Well, Um, yeah. (laughs) And, like, my God, Xander, do you want everyone? Like, this is, you cannot have all the ladies. Like, he's clearly pissed because, like, Like, he sees Buffy and Angel kissing and he's still jealous, but he's got Cordelia and Willow. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it's, I, just, um, it's insufferable. I mean, I just, I don't know what to say. He goes to such lengths in this episode to make sure that Angel is punished without giving any thoughts to the consequences or the situation at all. Again, it's just like, as much as it annoys me how how much he's just a jealous teenage boy, but mostly what annoys me always with Xander is like, You've been around these strong, powerful women and that you always think that you're still the one that should be in charge. And like, again, how long have you been dealing with this stuff to not know better that you should also go to Giles and say, this is the situation. How do we deal with this? Don't just try and take it on yourself. You don't know what you're doing. But like, it's like on top of all of the petty, jealous, jealousy and like his just general petty, childish behavior, it just kills me that like after... How much time he spent around all these supernatural, really, really dangerous things that he still also can't put aside his feelings long enough to say this stuff is more important than me. Let's figure it out before I react.
0: And also, like, this is one instance where I would definitely agree that they're underestimating Buffy because, you know, this whole intervention that they do is they're like... It's really, really frustrating straight when yeah. it comes to Angel, blah blah blah, and like that may have been true, but like she went off to kill him, like she, I know, she did know. kill him, like she hasn't she proven, like, like the Question I have is like <laughs> See, Buffy told Buffy told um, Willow, Willow and, Giles and Giles about how she killed him, yeah. but like did the others never find out? Because I have like, that question too. Because like Willow that's the must only have told way. Xander. That's the only way this makes sense, because, like... But it, it still doesn't make sense, because Giles is the one leading the charge, and he knows. Well, yeah, that's true. But, like, it, like I mean, and she has proven that she's able to no, take him I down agree. if needed. I agree. And it makes like, me crazy every uh, single time. <laughs> and I think and, they're just pissed because, like, I mean, Giles, I think, you know, yeah. the whole intervention comes across as ridiculous and, like... Yeah. Self serving to the friends, and like has, I mean, just ridiculously like harsh on Buffy. It is. Until yeah. she talks to Giles privately, and yeah, like, and he, and yeah. he's the only one that I think like has, has a real a claim point. to like Same. should have known. Our notes are identical on this situation. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he's the only one that she really should have told because, like, one, the, the one he's person that got killed was his girlfriend. Mm, he, he was tortured by Angel. Mm-hmm. He might be personally offended to have Buffy, like, you know, doing Tai Chi with Angel or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. like, I mean, and he's the one who's right in saying, you should have told me, like, this is unbelievable that you didn't. You only thought of yourself, like, all of that. But everyone well, else, yeah. like, piling on is, like, yeah. ridiculous. And, well, and
1: again, to go back to, uh, shoot. Shit! I just lost my train of thought. Uh, sorry, I'm cursing a lot in this episode. Um, <laughs> it's because Xander makes me so mad. Um, but yeah, I I I think I think that you're right. I think that also Giles has a claim to this because, as I said, like as much as it's childish of Xander not to do things the proper order, it is also. Sometimes, I mean, I think that is one of Buffy's flaws: is that she is capable of handling everything by herself to some extent, but she really should be involving Giles. And he's not wrong when he says, "Like you don't really respect what I'm doing."
0: <laughs> I mean, you all know of that's true, I, yeah. but like, but so, they're but also giving that her that, no like benefit right. of the doubt here. I mean, whatsoever. he should have just
1: had this conversation with her one-on-one after. He should have had this conversation with him, with her by himself. I think he he really is failing. And it's interesting too because it's only occurring to me now that probably part of the reason why he reacts this way too is because uh, he's feeling undercut by Gwendolyn. You know, she's making him feel bad about his watcher skills, and so then to have his his Slayer kind of once again openly flout all the rules and all the responsibilities that he's asked her to do, I can understand why he's probably feeling extra vulnerable
0: as well. But I mean, I, I think that's probably very true. Um, I yeah. think Xander like is probably in some way reacting to his own personal garbage that's going on, but like also he's acting like he's on the moral high ground when he 100% is not. And that mm -hmm. is what pisses me off the most, is I'm like, you're yelling at her for keeping secrets? What the hell are you doing? I know. Well, yeah. But it's also interesting because really
1: what everybody is giving Buffy flack for is letting her emotions get the better of her, but they're all doing the exact same thing. Like, kind of everything that everybody, every accusation that somebody throws in this episode is something that they themselves are kind of doing. You know, I don't, it is frustrating to watch them be like, oh, yeah, you can't control yourself around Angel, but like Xander can't control himself around Angel. And, you know, Giles can't, clearly can't control himself around Angel. Like, you guys are all in the same boat. That's why <laughs> nobody's at fault here, except for Xander. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I just, I, I can't think believe officially... that they in the I hate Xander Club Good. and I will be I will be treasurer. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's great. Yeah. I, I just again, just to your earlier point, and this is what kills me every time, is this, it's not as though there aren't legitimate issues that they need to talk to Buffy about or that really Giles needs to talk to Buffy about, but that they completely discount that she killed him voluntarily when that was the stake. Like they it's crazy that they would say to her, you can't think straight and you won't perform your duties when she has like demonstrably proven otherwise I did make that choice and I really like he's
0: come back evil and she's just cool with it I know yeah
1: it's a great point I I mean I and to that I will say I understand why Xander's initial reaction I mean when he sees them kissing I mean he must be pretty confused because they didn't even know you know like I'll give him the like immediate knee-jerk reaction but it's everything else after that that's like you've had enough time to put these pieces together yeah Of course, she's not palling around with a known murderer. They keep saying that she's harboring him, but, like,
0: what... But, like, haven't they already made that distinction between Angelus and Angel yes. and, like, now it's Repeatedly. something that goes out the window? Exactly. I mean, this is yeah. the thing is they never finished that fight in season two about, like, yeah. what they would do if Angel got his soul back. Yeah. And now we're seeing the results of that because, like... That's a good point. They still all have the exact same stances on this where, you know, Xander's yes. very much like, I don't care, soul yeah. or not, he killed, he should be put down. Mm-hmm. And Buffy's making the distinction between... Mm-hmm. You know, this is what we talked a little bit about in Beauty and the Beasts. like right. she's, She is making the distinction between beast and man, kind mm-hmm. of. Mm -hmm. Um, But they make that distinction for Oz all the time. Like, how can Oz sit there in good faith and say,
1: yeah, Buffy, you don't know the difference between these two guys. But like Oz, you're a werewolf. (laughs) You maybe killed a guy. No, we've never settled on who killed that first guy of Beauty and the Beast. I mean, it doesn't really help that I think it was Angel. (laughs) No, I know. But either I'm just saying that it's like it's, it's absolutely conceivable that it was Oz. So, like, you yeah. have no leg to stand on either, buddy. It, it's just, all very, like, upsetting. and It is. Everybody's uh, letting their emotions get the better of them, but that's what makes me the most mad is that they're accusing Buffy of letting her emotions get the better of them. Like, you guys are all being really emotional.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, and, and, I mean, then the way it kind of gets resolved for some of them, you know, is we see Angel saves Willow's life at mm-hmm. the end of the episode, and, yeah. like, that's all it takes. Like, you yeah. know, it's <laughs> like, once again, this group just needs a good fight to bring yeah. them all back together. But, <laughs> that's true. You know. I mean she's like him saving me kind of makes me like him again. Yeah. I mean but it's like, you know, they they see him like I mean it doesn't it I mean, circumstances are terrible, right? Because it doesn't help that Angel saw him with the glove that he knows that they're trying to hunt down. Mm -hmm. So if the last you saw of Angel was murderous rampage and he's got this glove, like sure. Like, okay. But he follows them and it's like, would Buffy even be kissing him if he were still evil? Yeah, Like, see past your own jealousy. And then... And why would he be kissing
1: her if he were still evil? He hated her.
0: (laughs) I I know. And then, um, you you know, and then, you know, him trying to destroy the glove is like, obviously like, like Giles is like, we can destroy the glove. And it's like, obviously Angel already knew this. Like he was like cool I'm gonna do Buffy a, like a favor yeah. and I'm gonna get this glove because I somehow know where it's stored sure. and I also know how to get rid of it so yeah. um I'll just do this for her and then yeah. she'll, and I think he's doing it out of like keeping her safe or something but mm-hmm. um you know but like well Gwendolyn- I think he's also
1: repenting a little you know he's the same old angel which is I feel really guilty now I have even more things to feel guilty about for all of the stuff he did as Angelus in the last season so yeah he's trying to like rid the world of some evil
0: Yeah, I mean, that could, that could be it too. Yeah. Unfortunately, the first person to get to him is Gwendolyn, although. Yeah. um, I don't know that Faith wouldn't have made the same distinction, but, you know, Gwendolyn's fatal thing is that she's very bad at identifying vampires. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, before
1: we move on from the intervention conversation, uh. I just want to say that the other thing that was unforgivable that Xander said is that he accuses Buffy of being responsible for Ms. Calendar dying. He's like, oh, the way you protected Ms. Calendar, but like Buffy wasn't there when that happened. So that's a crazy thing for you to say, Xander. You guys are all at fault for Ms. Calendar dying, as is she. Like what? Yeah. He, do you that, remember that? I, I just that, was like, how does anybody let him get away with that? She literally wasn't there. He makes it sound like she she chose Angel over Ms. Calendar, but like there would, there was nothing she could have done about that.
0: I mean, I'm choosing to believe that his logic behind that was the same one that we were talking about where, you know, Buffy made a conscious choice not to engage with Angel for a long time right? because she wasn't ready, because she, you know, for various reasons, but, like... She did put a lot of people at risk, and people did die because she didn't kill him the first time. So, well, if Xander um, was so concerned on some about it that, sh- that is true. <laughs> but that is, but but that is something that her friends willingly went along with, and like I agree, you cannot throw that yeah. back in her face. That's like, what I'm saying. And and to also isolate that one specific death as of that, you know, I just
1: he made it sound. He pointed to that one because it was the most emotional one that he could bring up like that was just a really like I recognize your manipulation tactic there Xander and you're doing a great job but like it really makes you a jerk to bring up that in front of Giles because he knows that that's the most painful death from all of that you know Ugh. but uh the flip side the one good thing about that intervention is Willow and her eye statements yes. Giles no one's using the eye statements I <laughs> and feel to her, yeah. <laughs> to her credit I think you know Willow is the only one who's approaching it with the right attitude, which is we don't understand why you're doing this. Will you please tell us and let us explain to you why we're worried? You know, like as much as like doing an intervention with all of its, you know, kind of steps or whatever, maybe that seems a little bit silly, but I think that she's, she's right. That she's the only one saying things that make sense. (laughs) Well, other than sort of Giles, but she doesn't say anything that is I think unforgivable to Buffy. She just says like, I'm worried. So
0: sorry. I, that that whole scene just brought up so much anger. Like, <sighs> yeah, I agree. It's not the last time it's gonna happen, but no, um, no. But yeah. Um. So I guess. But yeah, Gwendolyn and uh, her
1: bad, poorly identifying vampires, and having literally one trick. She only can hit the bludgeon people. Like, is pretty effective with Giles, yeah, but like well, maybe have another alternative.
0: <laughs> well, that's what she's telling him. Like, she's a, she's like, if you had been a human, that would have yeah. killed you. Um. And that is what she intended to do to Giles. And in fact, we she see Giles. So didn't kill him either. <laughs> she didn't, but Giles wasn't like, oh, I've got a bump on my head. Like, he had to go That's to the true, hospital.
1: That's true, true, true.
0: The whole, I love the final sequence where, you know, she gets the glove and they, like, realize what's going on. And, mm-hmm. But then we see, um, you know, Angel gets knocked out, so he's kind of, off screen for, mm-hmm. like, unable to prove until Willow gets almost attacked. But, right. um, but but really what it leads to is this showdown of um, Buffy, and Faith. Buffy and Faith. That's true. And, yeah. Ugh. You know, and and it's hard not to sympathize with Faith here. Because I agree. Yeah. She wasn't part of this intervention. She's only knows that, like, Giles was attacked. And Xander's immediate assumption of he got hit on the back of the head is angel because he knows angels why, there. but then yeah. he does try to walk it back of like maybe it wasn't angel he didn't bite him like whatever. it's true but, but at Faith that takes it and goes it's true Faith that he tries to it walk it goes, back yep. but
1: yeah but at that point he had been talking to he went like they met at the bronze he didn't go find her i don't think but like he had been telling her for like probably half an hour all the reasons why angel was bad and needed to be killed he didn't even i guess what i'm saying they were already going to kill angel when they went to the library and then they find Giles. So it's like finding Giles really wasn't necessary for faith. He had already put faith on that path. He already told her, go, go after this guy. He really, he said he was going to go after him too. Like sure, Sandra, you're going to be really effective. But I, I, that like the Giles thing is like incidental, you know, he doesn't matter that if Angel did or didn't do that. He literally already gave faith all the motivation she needed to kill Angel. And he wanted him right. dead and aside so, from like killing Giles. He he didn't care about that. He he already wanted Angel dead even if even before he thought he had killed Giles or attacked him. So it's right. kind of like it doesn't do any good. And unfortunately it has good. the yeah.
0: effect of sending Faith off to go basically kill Angel, which mm-hmm. she comes in at the worst possible time. Like it looks right. like Angel's attacking it her does. watcher. Yeah. And Gwendolyn is like knows exactly what it looks like. She's using it to her mm-hmm. advantage. And then so we see Buffy and Faith fighting. And you know, This isn't the last time we're gonna see them fight, but it's the first time we've seen them fight Slayer Slayer. And it is because you know, they're at the beginning of the episode, they're all chummy and exciting. And like we kind of see, like at the end of it, like in the moment, once they realize, Mm -hmm. you know, Mrs. Post is the one who's actually the villain, like they both switch immediately to, okay, we'll take care of her. But then we see this heartbreaking final scene of, you know, Faith is you know, still got the bruises from the fight with Buffy. Yeah. And um, Buffy somehow looks fine. (laughs) But but she's obviously, like, a little bit, like, she's more reserved now. Like, she's like, okay, well, Buffy was clearly willing to fight me over a vampire, like, to take, and and Mm -hmm. everything that they've been taught is, like, vampires bad people mm-hmm. good and like Buffy like chose the vampire over the slayer and mm-hmm. was like you know and part of it and is she like hasn't, if not had just stopped and listened like none of that would have been sure, necessary. Sure but she also
1: hasn't seen Angel like that was the first time she even saw Angel so like all she's heard is vampires are bad and this vampire was particularly bad and he tried to destroy the world and kill destroy the world and killed all of our friends is like yeah he, she's gonna yeah. need a little she's gonna need a minute with him before she can just be okay with it.
0: But, like, of course she would feel betrayed. Yeah. And, um. you know, Buffy's trying to tell her, like, I'm sorry. Like, because they all know, like, this situation just got really messed up. Right. And Buffy's offering herself as, like, I can be here as a friend. Like, you know. I, yeah. We can talk about things. Like, you're not alone. And, like, Faith is already kind of shutting down. Like, I'm not really, like. But, you know, and we'll it, see it them, is- like, kind of continue their, like, tag-teaming slayer thing. But, like, sure. this is kind of the first instance of, like, whatever friendship they might have had is, like, that door has it's, shut on yeah. that. Yeah, I think that's the speech you gave me in college. It's so sad.
1: <laughs> but what I also think is what I also think is interesting, and I don't think I felt this way when I was a little bit younger. But like, but what Buffy's line to Faith is, "Oh, you can't. I know you think you can't trust anyone, but you can trust me." But like, that's a bad line for her. I mean, she's, how is she she's wrong? That and exactly. I was like, honestly, she's wrong about that. Faith can't trust her. Literally, what has Buffy done to give to earn that? Nothing so far you know like she is a good person and obviously as a viewer of the show i know that buffy can be trusted but like to faith yeah i agree all uh, like again like faith is just a a victim of a lot of terrible coincidences and circumstances right where like it just it did look really bad she's nobody's given her enough information and they keep sending her into these fights and then like pulling it back later and being like oh no, no no you weren't really supposed to do that but like you know, up until this point, like Xander, she would, she should trust Xander as much as she trusts anyone else in the Scooby gang. So like when he tells her, this is what you should be doing, you know, it's not unreasonable for her to f- follow through on that. So like, I-, I just, yeah, I just think that in particular is a bad line for Buffy to give her. Like, because like, that is the one thing that Buffy says. That's totally not true. She shouldn't, f- she- Faith should not trust her. I don't know how she could have, thought that she had earned that at this point, you know, if she she had said something more along the lines of like, I'm going to do everything I can to earn your trust. And I really want to work together. Then like, maybe that would have made a difference. But I think she, part of what, why this scene is so sad is because Buffy goes there to make up with Faith, but she, I think she kind of does more damage. You know, she says exactly the wrong thing to, to make Faith resent her more.
0: Because it's more like she's saying, this is why you're wrong. Yeah, again. yeah, exactly. Like, she doesn't give,
1: can, exactly. She yeah. is being righteous with her a little bit. It's not, it's not Buffy's finest, finest moment. I mean, I don't blame Buffy, obviously, for anything that happens. I just think that like, she had a chance, you know, she's, she's 17 and she hasn't had a lot of these experiences. So like, again, I'm, I, she, I know her heart is in the right place. Unlike with Xander, like Buffy is trying her best to do the right thing. It's just tragic that like, I think she says exactly the wrong thing while trying to do that
0: oh and then it's sad and we'll never be friends again but it's so interesting i mean like how early this happens like this kind of this it is
1: yeah but that goes Um, back to my point where like i do wish that they had given us one more episode with this i think it would have been you know buffy and faith as you said they're gonna continue to have episodes together but i feel like we needed one more of them getting a little further in their friendship because really all we get is that opening scene in this episode and then it's like goes downhill. But Yeah, in an opening
0: scene there. where Buffy calls Faith her friend. Yeah, so it's yeah. you know
1: I think it would have been nice to let that simmer a little bit longer and to let Gwendolyn hang out for another episode, but what's done is I done. mean if
0: only just because as okay, I know she's evil and I know she mm-hmm. like did all this stuff, but okay, this woman carries her own tea around in a little <laughs> tin. And to be honest I respect that because as a tea drinker, Uh I wish I should, that is a habit that I should adopt because frequently like the, the tea on offer is just so bad and, and Giles, bad British man. He's got tea in bags. Come on, man. Yeah.
1: You know what I did love about that scene though? So there's a scene where Gwendolyn goes to Giles's apartment and they're like discussing everything that's going on and she's once again like saying all these bad things about him <laughs> and he's clearly getting really frustrated and in the background his like tea kettle is boiling over and I was like, oh, that's nice. It makes the scene real tense. There's like steam coming up in the back room. Mm-hmm. Or the sound of steam.
0: Also she, I, I don't remember if it's that scene or a different one, but she um, she accuses... Um, Buffy or and Giles, I guess, of being too American, mm-hmm. and I don't really understand why that would matter since Buffy's American. Like, <laughs> like, like right, Buffy's American, and also not all Slayers are British. So, like, yeah. why are, why is she imposing this? Like, you must be very British with them, kind of well, thing. Well, like, she it's, de- she definitely like, directs like, all Watchers Giles. are British. Yeah, but <coughs> yeah, maybe all Watchers are British, but. Um, we don't know that for sure, but, like, it seems, like, very imperialistic to, like, it be imposing is, yeah. your, like, Britishness yeah. on these people and, like, judging them for not being British. Well,
1: but it's interesting, though, because, the other, you know, it, I don't think we'll ever get enough information about the council. You know, I'm thinking about it. Like, we, we'll obviously, they continue to be <clears throat> part of the show, but I don't feel like I'll ever get all the answers that I want. But I do think that this one gives us a lot of clues into, like, ah... I don't know. I'm just, they must be so corrupt. And it's such a weird organization. Cause like we said this before, you know, yes, there are lots of watchers and maybe they're all already training with some potential slayers, but Giles is the watcher. <laughs> he's the watcher. <laughs> they know he's there. They're giving him limited resources. You know, like she's jibing him for not having enough books, but like, why doesn't the council send him more books? He's the one on the hellmouth with the slayer. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Like, It must just be blatant corruption where they don't actually care about any of this stuff. I mean, it's just so so weird. Most of the
0: watchers have a very cushy job of sitting in an office building somewhere, drinking tea, going on retreats, and not actually having to fight the forces of evil all that much. And all they do is sit and pass down these traditional, like, ridiculous, you know. Metrics and like tests mm-hmm. and like all this stuff, but like they just sit in a group and go, Oh, aren't we so important? We're watchers. Oh, that Giles in Sunnydale is really screwing up, but like he's the one on the front line. I mean, Buffy yeah, makes the same speech they- a little bit later, sure. but like but they're why the ones they on the sent front, front line. And like,
1: yeah, and how are they generating money? Are they extorting people for demon protection? Probably. I think it's just
0: a bunch of like rich old families or something. Mm, I don't know, or maybe that's the problem. Maybe they estates. don't have money, so you know, maybe. for this operation.
1: Hmm. Anyway, it just is very bizarre. I, I don't, I understand the way, you know, obviously they're going to kind of be posed, you know, they're we don't like them and we're not supposed to like
0: them, but like, they're not quite villains, but are they? I don't know. I just, I need more information about them. Also, do we ever, so she, Mrs. Post emphasizes this Mrs. part. I lot. noticed like, that too. <laughs> what happened to Mr. Post? Don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Also, for a lot of fuss. I mean, granted, she doesn't have the glove on for very long, but the glove doesn't seem all that powerful. She still I dies, mean, like, really quickly.
0: <laughs> only because, um, I think because Angel said it can never be removed, so I think by cutting her arm off, technically the glove was removed. No, 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 like, no, no, so no, I, yeah. But I'm saying it didn't, killed her.
1: I'm saying it didn't provide her with enough power to best Buffy. <laughs>
0: Because Buffy's awesome, and that's so true. she's gonna think to just chop off the arm.
1: It's true. Was that little weapon, her little throwing star thing, was that left over from her fight with Angel? Like, where did she, or what did she throw at her? Was it just a piece I of thought glass? It was
0: like a shard of glass. Oh, or something. maybe you're right. Okay, I do like
1: that but, moment. I think that's very clever of Buffy. Yeah. Once again.
0: Um, but you're right. I mean, it's basically like a lightning gun. Yeah. just
1: like, oh, you, know, you just have <laughs> lightning to shoot at people now, which is like, I mean, certainly effective, but like you should have got gotten out of that room quicker, gotten used to your powers yeah. before you, like, it didn't protect her in any way. It just gave her a weapon, but like you could have just bought a gun lady.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about Willow and Xander at all? Ugh. Um, I, I kind of don't like, no. I feel like we'll just save it for the next exactly. episode. Exactly. We
1: already have to talk about it next time. So yeah. No. Um, um, I do want to talk about the Tai Chi scene that I talk, okay. tried to talk about last week. I don't really have anything important to say other than did, he, did Angel al- always did he already do that when he was Angel before or is this a new technique that he's picked up? Doesn't really matter, but I'm curious. And I well, I really only just want to talk about it because I really like that scene.
0: But also, like, <laughs> I think they it's act sweet like, every time. They like this is all happening to them and like oh no mm. what are we doing and it's like you do know you don't have to do tai Chi together right it's like, true it's all true. Of this hanging out is very voluntary but I think it's sweet it's one of the only romance scenes
1: between them that really gets me I think it's I think it's cute
0: <clears throat> you don't like it at all I mean I like it it's just like I think they're all very me- it's like they're very melodramatic in yeah, this episode they are about yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. what are we doing blah 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 and it's I'm like saying, just yeah. I'm saying know. if we just take that
1: scene and we just set it aside it, with no context I just think it's very sweet
0: it is. It you is know what very, it is, too,
1: is that I like the little Buffy and Angel uh, melody theme that they play. <laughs> like, they have their it's own... It's way better
0: than the Xander Willow romantic. Oh, that one is the worst. <laughs> it really is.
1: <laughs> You're right. Oh, God, that's a terrible piece of music. But the Buffy and Angel one is adorable.
0: It's also possible that I hate it because every time it plays, I get, like, like rage. Yeah. Like, that this no, is even... I, like, yeah. they're even trying to convince me I to have swoony music bad. about yeah. these characters. Yeah. It's
1: the opposite of the Xander and Cordelia music, which was over-the-top and cheesy, so, like,
0: equally hilarious, you know? Yes. I did enjoy that. Mm -hmm. They haven't played that in a long time. Mm -mm. Not since the premiere of this one, I guess. Yeah.
1: Well, not to go down this path again, but I will say that the other thing, just one more piece of Xander idiocy is... So, like, okay, sure, he sets Faith off. He sort of tries to pull it back before she leaves to go after Angel. Um, But when Buffy comes and he's explaining to her what happens, he da- doubles down again. Oh, I sent her off af- yeah, that's right. Like, she should go after him. And so, like, that's, <laughs> you know, where that's where it's like, well, I really don't believe you, Xander, that you don't care about this because you're defending your decision again in front of Buffy. You're not, t- he didn't, he doesn't really say to Buffy, like, oh, no, I accidentally set her off, but I, it was, t- you know, I didn't have time to explain. He's just like, yeah, exactly, yeah, I did that. And it's like, partially, I think he's trying to convince himself that what he did was okay, but like, it's yeah, just, Xander
0: just, doesn't like to be wrong. Okay? Exactly.
1: Like, he, know, he literally knows that he's wrong because he told Faith that he was wrong for, like, one second, and then he can't admit it ever again. And then at the end of this episode, Buffy apologizes and he doesn't. Oh, I hate I that hate Buffy apologizes I hate too. To him. You I'm didn't like, fucking like, like, do You Jesus, don't sorry. need to be
0: cool with him. He's no. a moron. Like, just cut him loose. Yeah. Like,
1: She asks if, if he's cool with her. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he needs to be asking that question. I mean, okay,
0: I want to be clear, at the root of this, I do think that Buffy should not have kept Angel coming back Oh, for sure, 100%. Yeah, Yeah. I'm with you. But they, I just, every way Xander handles this is wrong, which shouldn't be surprising at this point. And and again,
1: because the only, he is, out of everybody involved, he has the least legitimate grievance with her for doing, for keeping that secret. And because, as Willow so, like, Self, it, willow is the one who shows some self-reflection in this episode that's the reason that she doesn't gun after buffy is because she's now realized oh sh- oh oh no i'm doing the same thing you know granted hers doesn't have the weight of like xander never actually killed everybody but like willow is the one who takes the time to say oh i understand now why someone would keep a secret and xander is in the same exact situation and he does none of that no self-reflection for even a second even after everything comes to a head he never says like you know what i was lying too
0: <laughs> yeah because that would require maturity exactly
1: but I am, once again, always impressed. Will- Willow is making some stupid decisions, but on the whole, she is a good person who is self-reflective and, like, is, you know, she's doing her best. She's making honest mistakes, not is a well, bad person. Also, because <laughs> I,
0: I wonder, and we can talk about this in the next one, but, like, I think Willow genuinely feels terrible about the situation she, does. she found herself in, yeah. and I'm not so sure that Xander does. I think
1: you're right. I think Xander, like, what you're saying is that, like, ultimately Xander's he's saying still,
0: that he feels terrible, but, He like, still
1: wants as many women as he can get. Yeah. This is still now. He has he has succeeded in something, whereas for Willow, she's ashamed that she's letting herself go down this path. And I think she's also like truthfully only, you know, she doesn't love Xander anymore that way. She loves Oz. But when you carry a torch for someone for that long, you know, I think she's just getting the better of her. That like oh, this right. thing I that think I some wanted of it I, is like she's like, like
0: right. Yeah. They're feeling this weird attraction to each other, and I think Willow is like finally getting that thing that she wanted exactly. for so long so like she's she's going with it I think Xander keeps initiating it because he's like yeah. oh I've got two girls that want to make exactly. out with me exactly cool. exactly like
1: you're uh, totally right
0: Ah, uh, curses um so we can talk more about that yeah. in the next one but first yeah. I do want to mention that Buffy is once again <gasps> dressed for the office yes! oh dressed for the office okay I have a different point um, what is she wearing for the office <laughs> Like, these little, like, cardigan sets with, oh, yeah. like, pencil skirts and, like.
1: It's true, but also at the beginning of this episode, she wears my all-time least favorite thing she'll ever wear, which is when she's wearing, like, a, I don't remember if it's a dress or a camisole, but she's wearing, like, a pink slip dress yes. with her oh, beanie it, that says scarf bomb, and, it says bomb oh. on it. No,
0: oh, no, no, yes, they I hate that the When
1: they're sitting in the library, I'm like. This hat is stupid to begin with, but it doesn't work. Like, you can't wear a black beanie to hide in the dark if you're wearing a neon pink outfit. Like, why? Stop it. Just wear your blonde hair. It's not that cold out.
0: You're in Southern California and you're wearing a a sleeveless dress. You don't need a beanie. I didn't much like the outfit she wore during the intervention either. Um, I think I do like that one. Pink tank top with like a Mm. weird skirt or something. I feel like it just fit her really poorly. Maybe but yeah, yeah otherwise she's definitely dressed just for like
1: <laughs> just for her desk job
0: yeah <laughs> um okay. okay so uh, uh moving on okay. I'm gonna get more angry i about know this whole situation but but at least it's, there's spike and there's hilarious, hilarious. there's so also hilarity has, in this one yeah. oh, god i gotta try to remember what happens mm-hmm. in this episode <laughs> so Lover's Walk is the next one, and I'm just going to hit some, some beats because, okay. honestly, I don't remember the order in which a lot of this stuff happens. And it kind of doesn't matter, um, yeah. Yeah. Xander, I guess the important thing is, like, Xander and Willow are still, like, you know, all hormonal for mm-hmm. each other, mm-hmm. and um, for whatever reason, they decide to go on a double date with Oz and Cordelia, because mm-hmm. somehow when you can't keep your hands off your friend, it's a great idea to go on a double date with them. Right. I don't understand yes. this logic at all. Yeah. But in the meantime, we see Spike is back in town. He mm-hmm. just like drives right over the Sunnydale mm-hmm. sign Classic. again, which I don't know why they keep replacing it. He keeps coming back. <laughs> and he's upset because Drusilla has broken up with him mm-hmm. and he's on like a bender. And so he um, wants to go to ma- the magic shop to get... Some witch to like perform like a love spell for him. Mm -hmm. But instead, he sees Willow and decides that he's going to make her do the spell. So he kidnaps Willow and Xander because Xander's there Mm -hmm. and takes them to the factory and basically keeps them there so that they'll do the spell, kind of spills his heart to Willow. Mm -hmm. Then there's this whole like series of things where like Buffy realizes they've been taken. Spike, for whatever reason, I forget, goes to Buffy's house
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and Buffy sees or Angel is like lurking outside Buffy's house. So mm-hmm. he sees Spike in the kitchen with Joyce and he like tries to run in, but mm-hmm. obviously like he can't get in the house mm-hmm. and Joyce is terrified because Angel's somehow alive again, yeah. which Buffy hasn't told her. And the last so, time she saw him, he was murderous. There's a whole thing where like <clears throat> now Spike gets, loops Buffy and Angel into his like whole plan. Like he's like, okay, I'll tell you where your friends are if you help me mm-hmm. you know, get these ingredients for this spell. Um, they have to fight a bunch of vampires that are pissed that Spike's back in mm-hmm. to town.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they go, and so in the end, like, Buffy and Angel just end up dealing with Spike and, like, mm-hmm. all of this stuff. And at the end of it, he kind of, like, doesn't even care anymore. Like, he's mm-hmm. had, a, had a nice spot of violence yeah. and he's <laughs> over his breakup or whatever. And, um, and so it's up to Oz and Cordelia, actually, to figure mm-hmm. out where... Um, Willow and Xander are to go and save them and they walk in right when Xander and Willow are kissing because they think they're going to die mm-hmm. and Cordelia runs out of the room and falls through the floor uh, and gets uh, impaled. So sad. Yeah, and um, she doesn't die, but she doesn't forgive Xander either, Good. which is the best part yeah, of this it entire is. episode. It is, that's what I thought too. <laughs> and Yeah, agreed. Um, and so you know, the fallout of like um, what Willow and Xander have been doing has finally mm-hmm. come and hopefully puts a stop to all of this. So, Yeah. Um, but, and then in the end we get this great, wonderful scene where everyone's Yay. miserable because throughout this Everybody. whole escapade, <laughs> Buffy realizes that she can't hang out with Angel anymore because they're not friends mm-hmm. and it's just too risky. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but Buffy essentially like, breaks up with angel cordelia breaks up with xander oz won't talk to willow Mm -hmm. and everyone's so sad and spike has left this wake this trail of like romantic devastation (laughs) behind him and like he's driving out of town like belting songs at the top of his lungs because he's finally happy again
1: yay Oh. oh that was such a good closing scene and because, it, it you know, when he's when he shows up in town, he's singing that song, which is a freak Sinatra song. I did it my way. And he's like singing it sadly. Yeah. And then at the end, he's singing like he's listening to like a punk rock cover of it and just like jamming <laughs> out to it. I'm like, that's I mean, this is probably one of the best Spike episodes ever. Like everything about him in this episode was like fun to watch. You know, obviously he's a he is a monster in this and he does a lot of horrible things. But like I have a lot of good things to say about him, as, as, specifically as a viewer, you know. Um, I think
0: my favorite Spike scene, maybe among the top ever, is when he's pretending to yes, bite Joyce. Yes, And Angel, oh, he's, like, there, taunting Angel exactly. from the doorway, and he's, like,
1: yeah, acting and like he's going to bite her. And Joyce her. is <laughs> just, like, oblivious. And he's being, because, he's being, like, a child pretending to be a vampire. Like, he's not doing, like, he's not really, like going after her so much as, like, putting his hands up as little claws, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like, he's not even really acting like he would act if he were killing her. He's just And before that, I, I,
0: like, absolutely love his little chat with Joyce about his breakup. And, like, she's very, like, well, then you should just dump her. Like, you know. Okay,
1: here's what I realized about that scene. So I think that the reason he goes back to their house is because – so he kidnaps Willow and Xander – and he wants Willow to do a love spell for him. But Willow says, I don't have everything that I need. So she sends him out to get stuff. And I think that she has maybe sent him to Buffy's house to get a book. I, that's kind of... That's why I think he's there. But anyway. I just can't... So I don't before, know why I can't remember. Before he... Before he leaves, he's... So he's, like, being threatening... To Willow, he is being threat. He's he's pretty scary, you know, in this episode. He, like, really does some physical damage to Xander. And he, you know, he's, like, genuinely threatening Willow. And then immediately he switches faces to, like, but I'm so sad because of Drusilla and blah, blah, blah. And so he pours his heart out for Willow, who, like, does not give him the reaction that he wants. <laughs> I think that's why he tells Z- this all, he, like, beat for beat says the same thing to Joyce. And then it's, like, he finally gets the reaction that he wants. Like, I think that's one of the things that I just, I really love when they play up his, like, you know, it's, it's just like with the mayor, where it's like, you know that he's a terrible guy, but then he's like really clean cut in this other weird way. And so it's the same with Spike, where it's like, he's so awful and he hates everyone, except that he really loves Drusilla and some other people sometimes. And so it's like... I don't know. I just really liked it. But yeah. I, He's a I, hopeless
0: romantic. He is. But
1: I literally think he tells that story to Joyce because Willow didn't give him the reaction that he wanted. So he has to do it again. Like, if Willow had just well, reacted that way, he wouldn't need to tell Joyce.
0: <laughs> I think the difference is because, like, Willow doesn't give him the reaction because, like, she has no sympathy. He's well, of course. Her of course, and, like, of course. But what's interesting about that <clears throat> is I was realizing we'll see this again in the Mm -hmm. next season but like Willow always seems like the first line of yeah exactly (laughs) when Spike comes back to town he like goes to like pour his heart out to Willow exactly
1: no I had that same thought of like oh we're gonna see this scene play out again yeah I don't know it's also just funny that like somehow I, I mean obviously it's all been completely circumstantial but Joyce has only seen Angel when he's being evil and she's only seen Spike when he's making alliances with her daughter so like in her eyes Spike is totally fine and Angel's the dangerous one but I do also like that, like he's not there to kill her. He's never interested in torturing Joyce. Like he never—I don't think he ever really even threatens her. Maybe in the, in School Hard, before he knows any of them. But I feel like after because that, because I
0: think that's that's how Spike is different from Buffy or mm-hmm, from Angel mm-hmm. in that you know he prefers to just kill the person he wants to kill. Like yeah, he's not, he's interested not having in the games fun. of yeah. like let me kill your entire family or whatever. And, and
1: also he likes Joyce. <laughs> he doesn't want to kill her. <laughs> She's the only one listening to his problems. Why would he kill Joyce? Um, but yeah I don't know I just really liked Spike switching back and forth from his like pathetic hopeless romantic side to his like evil side and again that like So they go out on the town. He's roped Buffy and Angel into helping him on his mission or whatever. And then they encounter this team of vampires that want to kill them all. And, like, honestly, watching the three of them fight together is so fun. Like, Buffy and Angel are pretending like they hate it, but kind of like Spike knows that, like, you guys are pretending that you don't really love each other either. Like, I also know that you're sort of pretending not to enjoy this fight. I don't know. Everything about everything that he says to them in this episode is, like, so spot on. And I just... He's just so fun. I can't even get my thoughts out straight because I'm just smiling about how fun it was to watch him.
0: I think James Marsden in this episode is, like, yes. one of the best he's ever been. Exactly. Like, he's just, like, having a ball. Like, mm-hmm. he's playing the full spectrum of emotions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even in the really emotional scenes when he's basically crying yeah. as he's telling the story to Willow. Yeah. Like, he he's like totally like nailing it you're totally right. And yeah. Yeah, and then he's funny when he needs to be funny yeah. and then like he's joyful at the end. Yeah. It's like ah. Uh, like I had this that is probably too, yeah. the moment they were like, uh, oh, we need this you guy back. To come back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it sucks though cuz he's not in the rest of the season. I mean I'm no, glad that comes think back, but
0: it's very telling that this isn't like Spike comes back and they finally kill him. It's like Spike comes back and then he leaves again. Like it's like yeah. they they leave the door open because like you do not kill this character. Yeah, like of course. Um we also get confirmation that um the mayor was very aware of Spike. Yeah, and, and that the his, police is definitely and his shenanigans in on it. Mm-hmm. last season and that they yeah. kind of just let him cause chaos and do whatever, but like now, now. they're not really mm-hmm. like because it's an important year, mm-hmm. they've got to keep an eye on him. Yeah. No, that's a good point.
1: I guess there's not yeah, I mean other than this stuff that we don't want to talk about. I'm trying to think of what what
0: else. Uh Well, I mean, <clears throat> I would love to talk about Cordelia in this because okay. she gets the worst end of the deal of this really of like does. Well, I mean, you could argue that Oz gets an equal No, it's not equal deal. to having re- no, no. rebar through your I mean, No, no, no. Oh, okay. I'm, let me finish my sentence. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> sorry. Oz gets an equally bad deal, I think, on the romantic front. Mm-hmm. And then Cordelia is compounded by the fact that, yes, she falls and gets mm-hmm. impaled by rebar. Ugh. But um, I think that, um, you know, this is really interesting because it's so sad. We see at the beginning of the episode, like, Xander's kind of realizing, like... <clears throat> Cordelia like Cordelia's already kind of admitted to Willow that she loves Xander. Mm-hmm. And um we see that she's put up these photos in her locker, and Xander mm-hmm. seems really touched by it. Like they seem like they're having a lot of fun. Like she's kind of going all in on this. Yeah. And Xander's sneaking around behind her back. And like, you know, we know Cordelia is not the type of character to just like let people walk all over her. Mm-hmm. So I think that the ending of her not forgiving him is very in in keeping with her character. Yeah. But also I think like thank God someone finally doesn't give Xander a break. I, that was like, the same thought that I like, had. Yeah, exactly. Xander is just like, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And she's just like... No. I mean, like, she's already putting up with the day-to-day ridiculousness of, like... His him. Gross, yeah. like, his gross obsession with Buffy, his mm-hmm. gross mm-hmm. attitude towards women in general. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's looking past all of that. But, like, this is a very more... This is a more overt thing. Like, why would she forgive yeah. him? Like, she there's no reason she should.
1: No. I had the same exact thought where I was like, it's nice that after... Especially after the episode before... That, like, he does get a little bit of his comeuppance, at least brief, you know,
0: for now. Yeah, but, like, I mean, and unfortunately, like, we see, like, she's very sad to have to do she this. She is, like, she's yeah. not Like, she's not cruel about it. She's, like, Mm-mm. she's just tired, and she's just, like, yeah. just go away. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, And we'll get more of the glorious fallout in the next episode. Uh, right. But, um, you know, it's just, I, I it... It's so sad, and it's so heartbreaking, but at the same time, it's, like, I think my favorite thing about this episode mm-hmm. is, like, the way Cordelia is just, like, no. Mm-hmm. Like, and, mm-hmm. like, thank God someone finally, like, did not cut him I slack. I agree. His problem is too much slack. Like Exactly, everyone is much. letting him
1: get away with all of this all the time.
0: But, yeah, I mean, they really set
1: this up to be particularly brutal, because we always knew that Xander and Willow were going to get caught at some point, or, you know, that it was going to get revealed at some point, but, like, that it happens when... Cordelia and Oz, you know, they've set out to go find Giles. And then while they're driving around, Oz like catches Willow's scent on the air. And like he says, it's because she's afraid, you know, like it just everything about it makes it extra sad. Obviously, the last few episodes too, the show has been going out of its way to put in sweet scenes between the two couples. Like, yeah, like you're saying with the locker scene and Oz gives Willow the little witch Pez. And like even in the the previous episodes, they were saying like little pointed scenes to like again, you know, like make sure that we know that Oz and Cordelia really love their, their, their significant others. But so like, not only are, do they like, it's, it's such a cool scene because, or like it's, it was going to be such a cool moment because like you said, Buffy and Angel are like distracted and they haven't been able to get to the factory to rescue them. So like, Oh, their boyfriend and girlfriend are going to come save them. Like these two, you know, average Joes are going to be the ones to like find them and rescue them. And, not, and then it just all falls apart because they, it's just like, doused in betrayal and then physical injury. Ugh.
0: I mean, I think that the one thing that's interesting to me is that they could make the argument mm-hmm. of, we thought we were going to die. Right. It was just I like a weird thing. And, and like, and maybe they could look past that, but I think that it's kind of clear that that's not the case Yeah. because of the way both Xander and Willow react. Mm-hmm. And then also, I mean, who knows? Maybe they were honest with them about what was going on. Mm-hmm. I don't, we don't really see that. Right. Um, And I think for Cordelia, like, it wouldn't really matter, so.
1: I mean, and honestly, for me, it doesn't really matter. I think, yeah, yeah, it is, like, I understand, I understand, I I had that thought, too, where I was like, maybe they could almost explain it away, except that, like, I mean, you're still not going to do that if you don't have some desire or urge already. I mean, I
0: wouldn't just, like, make out with the person next to me because I'm about to die. Exactly. Like, it
1: doesn't. Only yeah. if it was because you knew this was the only chance you were going to have to act on your actual feelings. So like, if anything, it's sort of like sometimes when you're drunk, you say the things that you really mean is like, oh, I guess this is kind of revealing what they're really feeling.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's upsetting, but it, I mean, the best thing is we just get rid of this awful storyline. Thank God. Yeah. In a great Spike showcase. no, no In, bless, Exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a great episode, especially now that you put it that way. <laughs> Yeah. They also, at the end, I didn't like the fake-out, though, of, like, yeah. um, the funeral scene. And then and then Buffy and Willow are walking in the cemetery like, oh, so Cordelia's going to be okay. Yeah. Like, I just feel like that's a really well-used trope that I just... I It's lazy. Yeah. I don't really... Like, You're not yeah. into it. So, at the beginning of the episode, they all get their SAT scores. Oh, yeah. So, we didn't talk about that. You're right. Um, which is interesting to me because uh this is another thing that TV tends to do with the SATs that always bugs me is, mm-hmm. like, like you know, they're telling – like, so Buffy gets a 1430 mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. You don't <laughs> I believe don't it. understand. Yeah. Um, but they're also, like, you could apply anywhere. And it's, like, sorry, no. Like, it doesn't matter how good your SAT score is. They're not going to make up for a just dis- dismal GPA. Sure. Like, you're yeah. still going to have that handicap around your neck. And, like, also, there's this thing on TV where they, like, tend to, like – it's this I think it's because the writers are writing about their experience with SAT scores and mm-hmm. they might be from like 20 30 years ago where mm-hmm. like getting a 1300 was considered like amazing mm-hmm. where it's like we grew up obviously in a time where like a 1430 was like I mean I I got slightly higher than that and like I was disappointed with my scores uh, I got so, way lower than like, that so
1: you're uh, you're also <laughs> coming at it from your like that's that's totally a, like in California that that is a good score that's a very good score I didn't know that many people that got over 1400. Well, maybe okay, they just so didn't I feel tell like me. I think that is a that is a legitimate like again even even when I was in school that would have been enough to get you into every UC. I
0: mean you're, you're well, right about I'm the, you're right like, about that. Maybe what, maybe what he means by anywhere is like anywhere in the UC system or like but like he's saying it like yeah. oh you could go anywhere like Harvard or whatever and right. it's like Ugh. I mean
1: I do legitimately think that that I, again even for me I think when we were in school I think that is a better score than you're giving it credit for and this was even before we were in high school so I think that that yeah, is Yeah, no, big score. I mean, I
0: think it's yeah. I'm not saying like I'm proud of my score. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying like this attitude of like you could go anywhere and it's it, like It's definitely it, weird with Yeah.
1: If with you like have if you have a like 1.9 GPA, it's not going to get you very far.
0: Yeah, and my experience of like college admissions is like, mm-hmm. you know, you need like much higher than that to really say I could go anywhere I mm-hmm. want. Um, although I am a little proud that I beat Willow on the verbal essay team.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not <laughs> admitting like, to any of my scores.
0: Well, I'm not admitting to my scores. I'm just it's saying like, like I was like like Willow is supposed to be this like amazingly genius character mm-hmm. and I was like, ooh. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I just like I think from my experience of like you know, the people I was in classes with and like where they were applying is like I mean like I don't know anyone who's applying to like school in California, like mm-hmm. maybe it's an East Coast thing, I don't know. Um and and I think people applying in, like, the Pennsylvania system, for sure, this was fine. But, like, I just, like, uh, they're very reverential of these scores. And I'm like, it's not like she got a 1600. Like, I don't know.
1: I think it's pretty good. I think you I mean, went to no, a much better school than most people and are not realizing that. Because I think, it, yeah, I, I agree that it's not good enough First of all, it's definitely not good enough on its own, coupled with what she she seems to have particularly bad grades. It's not as though she's an average student, and then she got a good SAT score. It seems like she's a pretty bad student, and then she got a good SAT score. So like, yes, I agree that she's going to have a lot of problems, and that that's not high enough to get you into Harvard or Stanford. But I do think that it is a lot better than, especially in the late 90s, I think that was a lot better than you're you're giving it credit for. I think you were around too many smart kids. (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, but that's what I'm saying is, like, I think you're right in that this tracks both ways, where, Mm -hmm. like, it's written by older people where, like, if they were going to school in the 70s, that would have been an insane score. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the thing about that was, like, you know, you know, my parents told the stories of, like, when they took the SAT, like, they didn't even know what it was. Like, Mm -hmm. no one told them what they were going to take. Like, there wasn't, like, SAT prep. Mm -hmm. There wasn't, like, you know, some people didn't even take the SAT. It was, Mm -hmm. like, or a lot of people didn't. It was, like, this kind of new thing. So, like, you know, I think that would have been an amazing score and then like in the 90s it still was but I think like when we came of age like applying to school it was like you know
1: Mm-mm.
0: the I'm, very beginning of this like massively mm-hmm. competitive landscape where like it wasn't a, mm-hmm. you know yeah I'm sure it's colored by my own experience like yeah. every day I read about <laughs> like college admissions now and I'm like thank god I'm not I know I would have now. never gotten like, I anywhere would, like yeah yeah um so, okay, well, I take back what I said. That's yeah. a great score.
1: I, I, it's funny because I always thought your argument was that there's no way Buffy got that high
0: of a score. Um, I mean, that's a little bit like Zach Morris getting a 1,500 yeah, on the SATs, yeah. but I'll, I'll let them go with it. It's a nice, you know, twist, I sure. guess, but... It, That's it the part that like, I don't think is
1: believable. But for
0: someone who doesn't pay any attention in school, like you know, the SAT is like the whole argument in Save by the Bell was like Kelly's like telling Zach like the SATs measure how smart you are, not at what you know. And I'm like, that is so not true. Yeah. Like <laughs> they 100% measure what you know, like your mm-hmm. vocabulary and your math skills, and like mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and also to me, it doesn't really track with the way Buffy was reacting after taking the exam about the math. Yeah. So yeah,
1: um, I guess she was studying with Giles, but still.
0: Yeah, maybe her her um, her method of like choosing a C because we haven't had it in a while <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> worked out she, pretty well. For
1: she her. just outsmarted the test itself, yeah. not the actual questions. <laughs> yeah,
0: hmm. but also like I also I mean this is the other thing too is like later we're, we're gonna see like Willow's college options and like to me they don't track with her stated SAT score. Well,
1: they don't ever tell you Willow's full score. That's true. If she, she, got she, perfect, yeah, if math, she got a perfect She got a perfect math, then that wouldn't. Or even something very close. I think she's it's I think it's understood that she's in the high fifteen hundreds. Yeah. Not not quite sixteen. And she might take it a second time. That's true. I, yeah. I think it tracks with she's getting scouted by software notable software companies and gets a really high GPA and is clearly the smartest kid in their school. I mean, I don't but know. But they I
0: mean, haven't even mentioned, like, Buffy's completely lacking in extracurriculars. She well, hasn't true. joined any sports teams. She's not in any clubs. She she's, she's doesn't a slayer. volunteer. She's going to
1: write her personal <laughs> statement about all fighting evil. And I, I didn't have time for sports because I was slaying vampires. It's going to be very unique. Possibly, yeah.
0: Possibly Yeah, get and arrested, but. she's, like, <laughs> delusional. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be very personal. Mm. Yeah. Ugh, I'm glad I don't have to do that again. No, uh I And I agree. Every time I hear about like, oh, it's hard to get into BU now, whoops. <laughs> Not that it wasn't hard, but
0: No, I mean I, I guess like it's in. in retrospect we should give ourselves some credit, but um yeah, I just I wouldn't want to be on the competing for that now. Like yeah. I you know, I was reading all this thing recently about, you know, the anxiety level in kids mm-hmm. these days and it's like I think a lot of it is probably related to like social media and smartphones mm-hmm. and like, like they they've never learned how to like fail or like cope with the real world mm-hmm. because they don't live in the real world mm-hmm. like they live in their phones essentially and i think that's a huge part of it but i also think like the pressure yeah. must be enormous i so, i feel like yeah oof yeah. well anyway on, that, on note, that note um do you have any more thoughts on lovers walk uh,
1: no i just loved it <laughs> and i loved watching psych run over the sunnydale sign again This is exactly the same entrance, as we may recall, as he made in season two when he first appeared. Um, I don't know. I just... What a fun yeah so you're right that like I, still somehow the overwhelming feeling that i have about this episode is what fun that was to watch <laughs> even though like there's so much heartbreak in it literally everybody falls apart in this episode of buffy yeah like you said buffy and angel break up cordelia and xander break up oz and willow break up and they're all revealed to have been betrayed and and she's in the hospital but like but i want to just listen to that punk rock cover of frank frank sinatra now i'm <laughs> like jam out for a minute <laughs>
0: It was a really good song. I was like, oh, this is like, I mean, you can always tell like the bones of the song are really good when you enjoy it, like Mm -hmm. sped up or slowed Mm -hmm. down or whatever. And like Spike's certainly enjoying it.
1: Oh, well, I guess the other thing that I'll say about uh, Spike in this episode is that, I mean, uh, like you said, obviously after filming this or before they filmed it, you know, they knew that they wanted to bring Spike back and we all know that like he's going to come back. But I this is definitely one of those episodes that if you watch later after after having seen the whole show, you can definitely see some like foreshadowing elements. And I don't know whether they were planned or not. I'm not actually sure, but like a lot of the stuff that he says to Buffy and angel is definitely going to apply to him and Buffy later, you know, it's true. And even where he talks about getting Drusilla back, you know, there is going to be an episode where he, where he and Drusilla, she's going to show up again later too. And there's like kind of a similar reaction, uh, just, uh, Situation to like what he's describing, like how he's going to win her back and what she means to him. All of this kind of comes back later. But mostly I think that specifically the things, the words that he says to Buffy and Angel are words that are literally going to apply to him and Buffy.
0: (laughs) No, I was thinking about that. He gave that like monologue Mm -hmm. to them about like love and Mm -hmm. like what it means and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I was like, oh.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But again, I don't know that they necessarily planned that. I think that's just kind of like a, retroactive foreshadowing, but I like, I like it. I think most of the stuff with spike work or works it's just even going back
0: consistent, like character building. That's where, true. Like, yeah, you're right. Always. You're totally right. This character who believes it this way and behaves this way. And so it was easy to turn him into like a romantic mm-hmm. interest because of that. Well, and also
1: that I think, um, he, uh, shoot, I keep losing my train of thought. I'm sorry. Um, but you're right that it's, that his character growth. I totally forgot. I had something cool to say. I just <laughs> totally went out of my head. Dang it. Oh, well. Hmm. But yeah. Okay. they the bones of their relationship or their relationship is its own element that I think you can track. And it is consistent the way that they behave, the way that they, the way that he talks to her, the way that she talks to him, all that stuff is just, yeah, works later.
0: I would agree with that. God,
1: I had a better point to make and I totally forget it. I'll text you later.
0: <laughs> okay. um, do you have any pop culture recommendations for this week hmm. um, I mean I was a little bit late to this
1: but I saw it last weekend the movie Stephen King's it it's very difficult to talk about because you keep saying like I saw it and people are like what and then they're like which what uh, stupid stupid uh, <laughs> vague movie titles but I saw Stephen King's it the movie that they made it's about the clown Pennywise and a bunch of children but I really I really enjoyed the movie Um,
0: did you, because I think I previously mentioned on this podcast that I did not enjoy watching the preview. mm -hmm, (laughs) It was pretty scary. I think if, I I don't think it was as scary
1: as other things that I've seen, although I say that and like after the movie, I was doing laundry in our basement and I was cleaning one of the lint drawers and like a piece of lint flew out and I was like, ah, (laughs) I got scared by some lint. So like maybe I was a little bit more scared than I want to admit, but, um. But I really I really liked it. And it very much is still playing off of like Stranger Things, which is like this it, it's set in the same time period. It's kids on bikes fighting a monster in a small town. It even has one of the actors from Stranger Things, you know, like there's one girl in this group of outcast nerds in the eighties. So like it, it actually felt really similar in on the surface. Um But it also is just like, man, it sure is fun to watch those kinds of things. Like, it was a hilarious movie. Like, it was funny even through the end. So it's like, even as the the scares are escalating, like, the humor and the, like, the cute interactions that these kids are having with one another, those are there the whole time, too. So I I, I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. I look forward to seeing more. And I keep deciding if I... I keep trying to decide if I should read it or not. But I actually... So I I enjoy watching horror movies and horror TV shows and all those kinds of things, but I have never really read a a horror book because I am terrified of it. I think that reading will get in my head in a way that movies aren't able to, and I think it'll really scare me. But I also sort of think I should do it because it's like I talk this big game and I can't even read Stephen King. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I read um, Let the Right One In, Mm. which I think is horror, and I felt the opposite. I felt like reading it somehow was like it's contained in a book mm. somehow where like, I feel like whenever I see horror on screen, it's a little too like now I've seen it and it's easy to imagine. Like I watched mm. maybe a little bit of the original it mm-hmm. like when I was a child young, yeah. probably. And, um, you know, every once in a while I still kind of expect to see random balloons. Like, <laughs> So, <laughs> um, I think it's just cause you partially
1: have been in, in too much influenced by that episode of friends when Joey's reading, Am uh reading Little Women and Rachel's readings um The Shining and they have to put the books in the freezer.
0: I mean <laughs> I maybe. just think I'm gonna have to do that. <laughs> I don't know if I would I mean I just like horror is in a genre that I generally like gravitate to mm-hmm. because like my experience watching it is like this will not go well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm. so yeah, I don't know. You should but you should try. Like maybe try reading it and see how it goes. But what, if I'm, if, what if I'm to? scared? What if I'm
1: scared? Okay, we'll but see. But you already
0: know what happens, yeah, so... But the book's a little different. What if things happen differently? Okay, maybe. I mean, but I think, like, the basic premise is the same, mm. so, like, you know... I think they left out some of the, like, more problematic stuff, but, like... Yeah. Um, I think the general, like, scares in things will probably be mostly the same. Ugh, we'll see. Okay.
1: I think I actually want to read The Shining more than I want to read It, but that's the one that I'm also super
0: terrified of. <laughs> I've, like, uh, literally Shining, picked it The what up. I know the book is a lot scarier yeah. than the movie because they left out a lot.
1: Well, I mean, the movie is also very, like, artsy. You know, it's like... It is scary. I do think that movie is scary, but it's not as, as scary as it could be. Yeah. Ugh. I definitely remember having it. I remember picking it. I've m- picked up The Shining in a bookstore and been like, should I? Shouldn't I? And then decided I was too scared to put it back. <laughs> Maybe I'll read it this month.
0: I had a roommate once who was really into horror, and she read... The Shining and like all of Stephen King and all that stuff and mm-hmm. like she said The Shining was like scary. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway,
0: um, what but, what's your you know, recommendation this week? Um, so I finally listened to um, the new Heim album. Oh. So um, which I very much enjoy or am enjoying. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend that mm-hmm. um, if you like their first one or didn't listen to it. It's very like. Um, I was like chatting with my sister yesterday and I was like, does this like, I was like, is it weird if this reminds me of like Fleetwood Mac? And she was like, no, it's totally like <laughs> oh, a, that's a good like endorsement. A seven, like an eighties vibe with like seventies flair, mm-hmm. like whatever. Um, Kind of like maybe late era Fleetwood Mac or something, mm-hmm. like on certain songs, mm-hmm. and then the rest of it. You know, they definitely have their own distinct sound, that right. I really like. But they also just released a cover of Shania Twain's that don't impress oh, Me much. Oh, I haven't heard that. Okay, it's very like stripped down and kind of spare, but like it's so good. Because mm-hmm. I do like that song <laughs> so anyway. Definitely kind of recommend the music of Heim. Okay, this week I think. Oh, uh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not like a brand new release. Like they released it probably a month or so ago, um, but I finally got around to listening to it, Mm -hmm. and I'm really liking it. Good, so Hmm. recommend that. Cool. Um, Yeah, I was just mostly excited. I had something to talk about that wasn't like a TV show, Uh, (laughs) a movie. (laughs) movie.
1: (laughs) Uh, I am reading a horror book right. I am reading a scary book right now, but it's like a YA. It's written by this YA author who has, up until this point, all of her big ones are like big YA romances, and so it's interesting because this one is also a YA romance, but then there's like murder scenes interspersed in it. I'm not sure how I feel about it yet, though, so oh. we'll see. It's a little What's bit. What's the it, name of it? It's called "There's Someone in Your House."
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Is, <laughs> Which this is supposed is a to be like like title. scream just in book form. Um. Do you know that I've never actually like seen Like, the Spring? calls coming from inside the house? Kind of M- well, I don't know. I don't know who the murderer is yet, so
1: I can't tell you. But I am, I am enjoying it. I, I, I can't decide how much I like it, but I'm enjoying it. It's totally like she's. I mean, and this is like one of the things that's fun about reading YA is that they're so good at writing things that are really engrossing. It's like I, it's, it's one of those things that's like I keep almost missing my train stops because I'm like so into it.
0: Yeah, I've had that happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Sorry, I didn't mean to derail when I was us. The Hunger Games oh yeah,
0: and we were living out at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> I like looked up one day and I was like, "Why am I in the last stop?" <laughs> hmm. Um, okay, so I think this week I am. Uh, Oh, this is hard. You know, I'm team Spike this week. Yeah. Why not? I was like, this
1: is the week to do it. I'm definitely team Spike this week. It
0: is, because he came in and put a stop to all this nonsense. He did. He he, he, he did what he did
1: in the beginning of season two, which is sweep out all this bad writing that's been going on and letting us move on. Thanks, Spike. Yes. Thank you.
0: (laughs) All right. right, I'll talk to you later. Bye. (laughs) Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie.
1: And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder.
0: And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at podcast. You can also
1: find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.